Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. How are you today? I'm doing well. And you? I'm very happy. Happy to be right. here. Feeling good. Happy to have a special guest today. I'm happy for air conditioning. Happy to be next to you. You're happy for air conditioning because it's summer in I, South Florida? It is. It is beyond summer. I feel like when you walk outside, you're on the sun or sitting in a sauna. You can get in the water. I wish we could do that. Yeah. Maybe we could start recording this podcast during the summer, like sitting in water. I'm down with that. I mean, it'd be a little tricky with the electronics and all of that. We don't want to you know, electrocute ourselves, but maybe. We'll turn the cameras off. <laughs> all right. Sure. I'm excited about our, our guest today. Our guest is Luis Scott, who is a highly respected attorney, a sought-after speaker, and the owner of Eight Figure Firm Consulting and a partner in Bader Scott Injury Lawyers Law Firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Luis is known for his expertise in helping legal professionals optimize and grow their practices to eight figures in yearly predictable revenue and beyond, but he also has over 20 years of experience practicing law, including as the managing partner of a successful law firm, which specializes in personal injury and workers' compensation cases. As the managing partner of Bader Scott Injury Lawyers, he is committed to making a positive impact on clients, their families, and the community. And as the owner of eight-figure firm consulting, he is passionate about sharing his knowledge of building an eight-figure law firm, and he looks to help other lawyers streamline their operations and do the same. His key focus is helping entrepreneurs maximize their greatness and building the company of their dreams. He also hosts a podcast called The Guts and the Glory Show. So check that out as well. Welcome, Lewis. Thank you guys for having me on. That was a, a great intro. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, it's uh, you have a very impressive background. So tell us, you've been practicing law for about 20 years. Tell us your history. How'd you get into the law and, and, and forming your firm? How'd you get well, officially, I've been in the legal industry for about 20 years, but I've only been a lawyer for about 11 of those years because I started what I tell people, it was like the rags to riches story. Started as a receptionist in a law firm doing some interpretations. I would go to court and then I eventually went to law school while I was working as a legal assistant, had every job in a law firm. And then I became a lawyer and then I became the partner of the firm that I started working for 15 years earlier. And so for 15 years, I worked in one firm from reception to managing partner. And then I transitioned into my own firm, which then consolidated with my business partner. That was a, how we did the spinoff into Eight Figure Firm Consulting, where we now consult hundreds of law firms around the country and help them develop eight figures and predictable revenue. When you were working at the law firm before you went to law school, like what about that experience led you to say, you know, I want to A, try to work you know, at every position in the firm, I want to go to law school, I want to do this, I want to have my own firm. Like what about that experience in that time led to that? It actually happened a little bit before I started working at that law firm. When I was 19 years old, I was taking a business law class at uh, the University of West Georgia. And there was a judge who was teaching this class. He's actually still a good friend of mine today, now 23 years later. But I was taking this class and I remember telling him in an open forum that I wanted to be a lawyer one day. And I actually didn't think I was smart enough to be a lawyer because you have to do a lot of reading, a lot of studying. And I just thought 
it just wasn't for me. At the time, it was just something that I, that I thought was beyond me. But he told me, come do an internship. And so I did an internship and I did a one week, every week of the, of the summer at a different part of the law. So I worked with the police department. I worked with the prosecutor. I worked with the superior court. I worked with judges. I worked in the jail. Like I, I was doing a little bit. I, I even went and served warrants with the sheriff's department. But one of those weeks, I went to work for a criminal attorney for one week. And in that week, uh, he asked me to do an intake and an intake is where you try to get a client to hire you. Mm -hmm. And so I went to go do this intake and he told me to tell the guy, you know, it's $5,000 for the service, which I I told him, you know, sure, I'll I'll tell the client that. So I tell the client it's $5,000. He goes, there's no way that's too much money. I went back to the attorney. The attorney came in and he says, Luis, that's wrong. It's not 5,000, it's 2,500. He was doing the bad cop, good cop thing. And I was like, I cannot believe you just made me the bad cop in this situation. I'm 19. I don't know anything about the law. The guy ends up hiring. And I remember the lawyer leaving. The lawyer leaves and he, I go, where are you going? Like, I'm doing an internship with you. He says, look, my, my goal is to make $1,500 a day. And today I made more than that. So I'm, I'm gone. I've met my goal for the day. And I always tell people and joke and I say, that was the moment I realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a law firm owner. I wanted to have that <laughs> flexibility and I wanted to be able to, because I might, you know, I was living off ramen soup as a college student making, you know, 1300 of a semester. So the idea that you could make 1500 a day, I was like, that's insane. And so I want to be a law firm owner. And so from that moment, I started looking for opportunities to go into a law firm. And then I, I ended up getting this job with this particular firm. Uh, which was my previous firm. And that's what led to me having all these positions. It was really that internship that got me thinking, man, I should be a law firm owner. And so I always went to, to school with the intention of being an owner of a law firm. And did that experience of working on the sort of the business side of the law, or I guess as, you know, on the administrative side of the law, help you in your journey through law school and becoming a lawyer and I mean, I don't know if it helped me necessarily become better as a lawyer, but it definitely taught me that there's more to the legal business than just being a good lawyer. You know, there used to be a time where being a good lawyer was enough to get referrals and referrals were going to be the lifeblood of the business and you were going to make all this money and and you were never going to be without clients. And today that's not the case. Like you could be the best lawyer in the planet. If nobody knows about you, they're not hiring you. And even if they know about you, they still may not hire you if the lawyer down the street has better marketing. And so you have to be more engaged on the business side of it, the financial side of it, understanding the financial ramifications of building a business and how marketing coincides with the finances of the business and how really delivering the legal service is a very small part of building a law business. Yeah. And that's great. Before we jump into a figure firm consulting, when did you start that? So a figure firm started in 2020. Actually, this will be our third year. Okay. So you're practicing law. By that time, you're practicing law for what, five, six, seven years or something? So in 2020, I had been a lawyer for about nine years at that time. Okay. Because I think a lot, I mean, you mentioned this a little bit, but you know, conventional wisdom is don't work on business development and marketing until you develop your legal skills. So I was trying to figure out if you followed that mantra or if you kind of said, now forget it, I'm going to start working on this. I mean, to me, you know, you you can't work on your legal skills until you have clients. And so you have to start immediately. If if you have your own firm, your own business, you have to start immediately in, in acquiring clients and marketing and working on the business aspect of it. And so my background in undergrad was accounting. And so I always had like this disposition towards the financial part of, of any business. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I have like this serial entrepreneurial 
Gene. I've started many companies. I've owned a barbershop. I've owned online companies. I had a, a penny auction site. Like I've always started these businesses with the intent of being an owner. Like that was a, a really important thing for me, really my entire life. You operate under some sort of like EOS platform or how do you, how do you guys manage the firm? So currently the firm was being operated. So I was the primary operator as the COO of the business and the firm was being operated under a system that I created. I call, I call it the nine principles system. My book on this system is actually coming out within the next year. The system that I developed is called the nine principles system. And it was essentially the 999 plan that was, it was 27 things that a firm or a business had to do in order to grow and scale their business. Can you share the nine principles or a summary of them or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're categorized into three different buckets. And one of them is, so if you were to take the three general buckets, one of them is developing the vision for the business. There's nine things in this development of the vision for the business, which we call the business portfolio, which is your company goals, initiatives, your marketing plan, your hiring plan, your business plan, and your budget. So like that was one facet of it is, is developing the vision for the business. We would call that the foundation of the business in bucket one. Bucket two is what we would call the intentional stage of the business where we now create systems and we create intentional actions that are going to lead to specific outcomes that we want. Because every business has a different reason for existing. I, I think there was a time where people used to say, well, the purpose of every business is to generate profit. And that may be the case. To me, the purpose of a, of a business is to generate a cash flowing opportunity that can then cash flow the next business that can then cash flow the next business. And so this is my third business. So now I'm in the process of generating multiple streams of income that, that work on my behalf in a passive way. So trying to create passive income through a business was kind of my goal from the beginning. So the second part is the intention. Third part of the third bucket of the nine principles is the transformation part. That's where you've developed enough profitability in the business, not from a percentage standpoint, but from a raw dollar standpoint, where you can transform the business into a self-sustaining and operation where it doesn't require you, which is where I got in 2020. I, I no longer needed to be involved in the business day to day. And so I was able to start a figure firm because the firm was operating on its own. And, and now three years later, it continues to grow really without, with very minimal involvement on my behalf. So you have other attorneys. Did you announce to your partners, okay, I'm now going to run a figure firm consulting or did you, was this something that you just did on your own and then people noticed you were no longer around? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, 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 as you start hiring high level leaders, you start phasing out of, out of some functions of the business. And so we were hiring the executive level leaders to start running the business. We have about 30 lawyers and I only have one business partner. And so we're partners in eight figure firms. So obviously we both went in, even though I'm the primary lead consultant in that business and also do the primary business functions of eight figure firm, it was more of a, Hey, neither of us have a lot to do. I really love to coaching and teaching and training. I would love to get involved in coaching, teaching and training other lawyers. So I'm going to do eight figure firm and started with one client, which was actually a friend of mine. And she owned a law firm out of Florida. And that friend started with us with about 700,000 in revenue. And in a matter of 18 months was doing about 6 million in revenue. That's when I knew that this program really worked. Fantastic. And how many clients does it have now? And where are you geographically or where are they geographically? 
we just recently did this heat map just to, to kind of pinpoint where all of our clients are. We've reached over a hundred clients wow. working with eight figure firm. We have about 25 employees, you know, counting, we have some VAs that work for us as well that work behind the scenes. And the clients are really all over the United States, Florida, Georgia, Texas, and New York tend to be the bigger ones, but we have clients all over the United States, not in every state, obviously with only a hundred clients, it's, we don't have anybody in Hawaii, but we do have clients throughout the the East Coast primarily because that's where a lot of our marketing was dedicated to was East Coast marketing just because we didn't have the budget starting off to market everywhere. So we would just market where, where we knew people were reacting and engaging to the ads. Do you have criteria sort of in your head or, or maybe even laid out specifically for what the ideal client would be for eight figure? So we decided that our strategy was a grow and go strategy. So a lot of consultants, they want to have the clients in the community for the, for a lifetime. You know, they're, they're trying to keep you locked in with them. We wanted to have a grow and go strategy. What I meant by that was our strategy is to take firms from 1 million to 10 million. And once they get there, we can continue to service them if they want to, but there would be no obligation or any hard feelings if they wanted to move on to another program. And so our ideal client is a law firm that is at least 1 million is a very ambitious entrepreneurial law firm. And their desire is to grow their business to at least 10 million in revenue. And they're looking for a way to shortcut that growth. Without giving away the trade secrets, what's the protocol? Is this a, a coaching or is it an operational thing? Or how, what exactly are you doing with them? Everyone needs something different. And some people need the planning part. Some people need direct consulting. Some people need the confidence to do the things that they know they need to do. And we do a little bit of everything. I always say that we consult, not coach, where I don't try to help you get to the decision. I just tell you what I think the decision should be based on our experience and working with hundreds of firms and thousands of people because there's so many individualized employees working at these law firms. I think we just reached 2,500 or maybe 3,000 employees work collectively through all these law firms. And so when you work with this many people, you get to learn a lot about how people behave and how people function and, and what are the desires and dreams that people have. And so when we start working with a client, the first thing we do is we do a 17 point questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, we want to know a little bit more about where they are, where they're stuck, what are their constraints, and then how do we help them eliminate those constraints? Are there certain practice areas that you guys have found that would lend itself more to eight-figure consulting as opposed to not? I mean, I've found that that working with consumer-based type of law firms, like the, like the general consumer versus a B2B law firm has been more effective because the type of marketing that we teach on is geared towards mass marketing and volume-based marketing where a corporate law firm may not have that same marketing strategy. And so consumer-based law firm, family law, criminal law, estate planning, immigration, personal injury, workers' comp, property damage law, those firms uh, thrive with us. And we don't have a lot of B2B firms, so it's hard to say, right. but I would feel like maybe a B2B firm wouldn't really thrive unless they were willing to do the type of marketing that we recommend. I mean, it seems to me, and I appreciate you saying that, I mean, to me, the consumer, there's just more opportunity out there, right, with consumer as opposed to, you know, corporations or, or B2B or, like, you know, we represent, you know, fiduciaries that are appointed <laughs> by court. So there's only so many, but what you're talking about, it sounds like with eight figures, more about scaling up as a traditional business would say, not a necessarily a professional services firm, but sounds to me more like an opportunity to scale up. And really the way to scale up is to obviously have 
broader appeal, and that's really consumers, you know? Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And uh, I think there's a broader appeal and there's more avenues to reach them. You know, if you're, if you're working with a business owner, I guess they're on social media, but, but generally speaking, a business owner may not be looking for their vendor on social media. And so can it be done? It absolutely can be done. And we have a couple of law firms that do B2B on the tax side. We've had a couple of law firms that do some corporate work. I actually have a, a law firm that actually does a lot of corporate billable hour work and they work with us. It's been successful. But again, if I were to say who would benefit the most, it would absolutely be the consumer law firm. Right. And where, how do people find you? How, how do they find a figure firm? How do they find you um, and how do you find them? Generally speaking, so we spend a lot of money on social media. Currently, I am the business post about 100 to 200 times per month on social media. And then in addition to that, we spend about $50,000 a month in, in marketing to get the word out about what we do. We have book funnels. I've written two books and we use those book funnels to also reach people. I have an ebook that I promote. I have a several thousand person email list and then word of mouth. And so those are the kind of like the, the main key areas of how we get the word out. Okay. And then how do they find you otherwise? They can find me by going to uh, louisscottjr.com. So it's uh, Luis, L-U-I-S, Scott, S-C-O-T-T-J-R.com. And all of my links are on there, social media, website, law firm, books, speaking engagements. You can find me on that gotcha. website. We'll, we'll put your contact info in the show notes. Tell us about the Guts and Glory Show, your podcast. So the Guts and Glory Show, yeah, it's, it's, I started the podcast because, again, I'm just trying to create as much you know, awareness as I can. Because when you're trying to start a separate business and you're trying to build your reputation in a different space, you got to create awareness and people need to know about you and hear about you. And so I started the Guts and Glory show because I wanted to profile the guts it takes to succeed and the glory of success. That was actually the line that I had in the original Guts and Glory show. But getting people on the show was time consuming because I didn't have that much time. I was running two businesses. And so I decided, you know what, a recording, just six minute to 40 minute sessions where I would talk about something to help people grow their law firms, like the mindsets of the leader or you know, the, the five points of, of digital marketing or uh, how to use SEO to really grow your business. And then throughout the time, I've, been, I've had some individualized guests who come on who have you know, specialized skills, like maybe a cybersecurity guy who can talk about cybersecurity for law firms. But that was kind of the, the purpose of the show. So if you hear the show, it's more about how to grow your business as an entrepreneur, your law firm as a, a legal entrepreneur, and then also hopefully to be inspired by some of the stories that we tell regarding some of the guests and also some of the things that we've gone through to let people know you're not alone. You know, I think a lot of times when you're growing your business, you feel like you're the only person going through something. And the reality is like other people are going through the same thing. And it sounds like you are one busy lawyer, entrepreneur. How do you find the time to do all this? I started calendar blocking and this was something that was really brought on by my director of ops who helped me calendar block and I, and I pick specific times to do each part of my businesses. And so the calendar block that we teach for CEOs is a five point calendar block. And that is Monday marketing, Tuesday operations, Wednesday legal, Thursday is going to be finance. And then Friday is going to be administrative. And so you block out your calendar to deal with all the marketing issues on Monday, and then so forth, like operations on Tuesday, Wednesday, et cetera. And so uh, calendar blocking really helped me. And then creating space on some of those days to not do anything. So, so maybe spend time thinking, spend time writing, spend time recording, just really, and then sticking to my schedule. 
that's where I think a lot of people lose focus is that they don't stick to the schedule. They have a schedule that the appointment's supposed to end at 12, but they go to 1215 and then it throws a whole day off. And so I live religiously by my schedule. I try to start right on time and I try to end right on time. And if there's still things to cover, it needs to go to another time unless it's urgent, it can make it to my administrative day list. And so that's what I do. I block out my time. I segment when I'm going to do certain things and then I really stick to it. And you do it like at the end of each week for the following week or how do you, how, what, like what's, what's the schedule for scheduling? <laughs> I, I have a, an amazing assistant who helps me in, the, in that process. And I think that that's really the key to growing any business. But if, you, if you're growing two businesses, definitely you got to have some, some assistant work. But I have an assistant and she blocks off as far as we possibly can. So as soon as we know about something, we start blocking it off. You know, it's an everyday Hey, next week, these are the meetings that we have. These are the shows you're going to be on. These are the opportunities that you have. These are the networking opportunities, speaking engagements. And she's always keeping me up to date with what, what's coming up next. So do you have time? I mean, obviously, super busy, calendar blocking, all that stuff. Do you have time to take care of yourself, whether it's physical or mental health? I will tell you that in the greatest period of growth for my business I probably neglected myself, you know, and I think that that's common. I remember Kobe Bryant saying that if you want to be excellent in anything, something's going to have to give. You're either going to sacrifice leisure time, you're going to sacrifice sleep, you're going to sacrifice relationships, but you get to choose which one of those you sacrifice. And and for me, it was just organically, I sacrificed myself. You know, I wanted to be there for my kids. I wanted to be there for my wife. I wanted to be, I wanted to have, be there for my friends. What ended up sacrificing was me and I, I was gaining weight. And so I finally... This year, I was like, you know what? I need a trainer. So now I'm back in the gym three times a week. And I've just cut back on some of my work obligations to make that a reality. But I, I do think that a healthy you is the most powerful weapon that you have in the entrepreneur game. Yeah, that's something that uh, Brett and I talk about a lot on this podcast <laughs> and, and elsewhere. It's an important theme. I think it's uh, the idea that you got to take care of yourself before you really take care of anything else. Yes. You'll be better at it. But to, but to just jump back on what Louis said, and, and we talk about this as well, and, and it's getting you know some of the younger lawyers as well to understand it, is that there are sacrifices that have to be made, right? If you want to be great at something, you have to focus on it. And there's only so many hours in a day and only so many days in a week. And so it doesn't mean forever, right? For, but for mm-hmm. a period of time, there has to be some level of sacrifice in some particular area, you know? Yeah. I mean, the horizon to your success is dependent upon the amount of hours that you put into it. If I wanted to be a great piano player, I could take one hour a day for the next 35 years, or I can take 40 hours a week for the next two years, right? Like it's the same amount of hours. It's just, are you spreading it out over a long period of time or a short period of time? And I decided when I was in my twenties that I was going to work as hard as I possibly could till I was about 50 years old. And then I was going to see what happened. And I just recently turned 41 and I, and I, the, the plan is working. Now, there were some things that, that were sacrificed in the process that if I would have known then, maybe I wouldn't have gone so deep into the career side. But nevertheless, I think the lesson is, is there. And that is, you can accomplish whatever you want. If you set the horizon correctly and you go after it, you can accomplish whatever you want. But you have to understand that there is a sacrifice to that. What advice would you give to your 19-year-old self uh, if you had the opportunity now Man, I would tell myself, don't stress out about so many things. I spent so much time stressing out about when I was going to get my next 
you know, up level? Like when was I going to get my next promotion? When was I going to get my next opportunity? You know, when were they going to value me? When was people going to, you know, when were people going to really care about all this work that I was doing? And when was that work going to pay off? You know, I, I think that people ultimately put in a lot of work for, you know, the prestige maybe for the, the ego boost, for the dopamine hit. But I do think that we do it for the financial benefit. And I, and I was always so consumed with like, this is not paying off. This is not paying off. I, it never stopped me from working hard. I think that's the lesson is like people get discouraged and they stop working hard. I got discouraged and I put in more time at work saying this is going to pay off. And if I looked back and I said, look, you're going to make it. You just don't need to stress out as much. I think I would have enjoyed the last 20 years a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So you would have worked as hard. You just wouldn't have stressed as much about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. a healthy approach. This has been fun. Luis, I really appreciate, we appreciate having you on the show. And for all the listeners out there, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and subscribe to the show. Writing reviews and subscribing helps other listeners find the show, helps us produce better content, helps us have amazing guests like Luis on. And we will see you next time. Nelson, thank you very much, Nelson. Brett, Thanks, Nelson, Luis, thank and Luis, Jeff. Thanks. And I think throw out a shout out to putting actually recording us video in the pool. I think that'll get more listeners. Just yeah. throwing that out there. All folks. right. Next podcast from the water. Let us know. For more information on this show and other resources, visit fastamron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Fast Amron.